Welcome to Real Faith, the podcast where we explore the intersection between culture, faith and youth work. I'm Stephen and I'll be your host. Each episode, we'll look at a different film or series and discuss it in depth, exploring the themes within it and how we can use it with the young people we work with. We'll cover everything from action to horror, comic book movies to comedies. On the podcast this week, I'm joined by Johnny Masters, who is the Youth and Children's Advisor for Chester Diocese, and we explore the new Netflix LGBTQ plus coming-of-age school drama, Heartstoppers, which was released on Netflix on Friday the 22nd of April. I hope you enjoy our discussion, so let's get into it now. As always, there will be spoilers as we outline the plot and, and some of the key points from it. Hypothetically, what sort of boy do you want to go out with? Happy New Year to a boy. Well, if it isn't Charlie Spring, Happy New Year. You're over there, next to Nicholas Nelson. Hi. Hi. Nick Nelson. He is the star player on the rugby team. We are a trio of borderline outcasts. He's different. Hey. Great to have on the podcast today, Johnny Masters. Johnny, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, Stephen. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. But it's really great to have you on to discuss Heartstopper, which is this new Netflix series that dropped on on Friday, on the 22nd of April, a British coming-of-age LGBTQ plus romance uh, based on a a comic and graphic novel and, and, and written by Alice Oseman and... She's also written the, the the Netflix series as well. But I guess before we get into the plot and, and more details about the show, it would be great just to hear a little bit about your youth work journey, Johnny, and, and, and obviously what you're up to now as well. Yeah, uh, so I have been a youth worker in some capacity, I suppose, since I was uh, 15 years old, which means now that's over half my life, which is a pretty scary thought. Um, So I volunteered with my local church, originally with children's work when I was 14, and then youth work from when I was 15, uh, doing Friday night youth club. And then uh, over time, uh, I thought I wanted to be a primary school teacher, so I went to Canterbury Christchurch University to study that. I lasted three months before I realised that wasn't for me. Um, Then in a great move of irony, I got a job in a primary school as a teaching assistant, primary school was for children with emotional and behavioral difficulties Uh, so I spent my time getting hit and kicked and spat at and sworn at and called names and all sorts of things Um, but it was a very rewarding job Uh, I really um, loved the children that I got to work with there Um, and then an opportunity arose for me to move up north I'm from down south in Hertfordshire originally Uh, now I live in All Sage and near Crewe and there was an opportunity to work for Christchurch All Sager as their youth worker um, while studying youth and community work and practical theology with CYM, which I know some of your previous contributors have also done. So um, that was uh, 2009, I moved up north and then I spent three years uh, part-time with Christchurch and then they took me on full-time and I spent a further four and a half years there before moving to the job that I have now as the Youth Children and Families Advisor for the Diocese of Chester. So we have around uh, 270 parishes in the diocese, uh, about 330 churches, and I advise them on 
their youth, children and families ministries. That's a short plotted history of my youth work. Um, I suppose in relation to uh, what we're discussing today, it might be helpful for me to also say a bit of my personal history, um, yeah. which uh, could be useful, I suppose. I um, am a gay man who um, has wrestled with his sexuality growing up. Uh, I grew up in an evangelical um, household which viewed um, gay, being gay or the gay lifestyle for want of better phrases, as uh, not being compatible with faith. So I had a long journey uh, wrestling with that and coming to terms with my sexuality. And um, for me now, I'm in an affirming uh, place where I believe same-sex relationships and all LGBTQ plus people should be celebrated and uh, affirmed as children loved and treasured by God. Um, who can make right and wrong decisions like anybody else in how they uh, follow Jesus. Uh, so that's me. Great. Uh, thank you for sharing that, that Johnny, and, and obviously sharing a little bit about your youth work history as well. So, so as I said, Heartstopper, it focuses on Charlie Spring, who's a gay high schooler, uh, who falls in love with, with Nick Nelson, who is in his form, while also exploring the lives of, of some of Charlie's friends and Nick's as well. So in the first episode, we're introduced to Charlie, who is in a relationship with Ben. Ben dates Charlie in secret and, and wants it to be kept that way and, and is really struggling and wrestling himself uh, with his own sexuality, so doesn't want anyone else to know that this is happening. Charlie then meets Nick in, in his new form class. Nick's in year 11, and as a rugby player, Charlie's in, in year 10. They become friends and, and for the first few episodes, Charlie's unsure of Nick's sexuality. He feels that there's some chemistry there, that there might be more than just friendship, but he's, but he's not entirely sure. Nick invites him to join the rugby team, and, and Charlie accepts. Charlie then texts Ben, saying that he does not want to meet up with him anymore. Later, Charlie reluctantly meets with Ben again, who forcibly kisses him, but is fended off by Nick. Meanwhile, one of Charlie's friends, Elle, has moved to an all-girls school after coming out as a trans woman. She then befriends two girls at her new school who are going out with each other, but who are also keeping that quiet. In another episode, when the two girls finally do announce that they are together, one of the girls, Tara, really struggles with how people now see her and, and the comments made about her. Nick and Charlie get to know each other more, and after some struggling, Nick believes that he's bisexual. Nick and Charlie begin dating, but Nick doesn't want everyone to know about it yet. Harry, who is one of Nick's friends, constantly makes homophobic remarks at Charlie, but Nick stands up for him and on one occasion actually fights Harry. Charlie struggles with his identity and tells Nick that they should break up as everyone's life is worse because of his. But on the final episode at the school sports day, Nick kisses Charlie and says that he is the best thing that has happened to him. And on a date at the seaside, Nick reveals his plans to come out as bisexual and declare their relationship publicly. And he does this, first of all, with his mum, who accepts his sexuality. So that's a, a, a brief summary of the plot. There's obviously other things that happen throughout the series. It's eight episodes, all, all around half an hour each. So there's about four hours of, of content there. I binge watched it all on on the Friday it came out. I hadn't heard of it before, 
but then a, a few people were, were tweeting about it on, on Friday morning. And so I thought this would be worth looking at. And then obviously after watching it, I got in touch uh, with you to see whether that's something you would want to discuss. So I guess, first of all, Johnny, what, what did you think of the show? I, I really liked it. I, I felt it had a certain hopeful innocence about it in, in some ways, in that the story that it told didn't over-dramatise what was being shared, but it held it in a in a sort of realistic tension. When I say realistic, um, I would I would suggest that it is aimed at a young teenage, sort of tweenage audience, um, mm. the way that it, the script is written and, and the way that the relationships happen. Um, it might even be aimed at a younger audience than the characters who are portrayed, um, which I think is actually really helpful because it enables people who might be going through this stuff in their own lives to, to learn um, from a potentially slightly older group of people how to navigate these issues. Um, and I, I found that um, really helpful. I liked there's some sort of animation that goes alongside it within the, within the series, sort of on-screen animation, um, illustrating the, the, the feelings that people are feeling um, towards each other, particularly around sparks and butterflies. Um, and at first that felt a bit cringy, but I got used to it by the end and actually quite enjoyed it because it felt like a good representation of how words are not enough to express the feelings that we have, and even pictures are not enough to express that, but something together um, mm. somehow did that. So yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. I liked the story. I thought it was engaging. Um, and I'm all for one who has happy endings. Um, I don't even like... Like if, if Star Wars didn't have Darth Vader, I would still be happy because um, I much prefer the good to the bad. So um, for me, um, the overall optimism of the whole show um, and uh, the acceptance of Nick's mother at the end of uh, his sexuality is just a really positive experience and slightly healing in a way, which I didn't expect. Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. It's it seems aimed at a younger audience. It's obviously rated a twelve, but I think with with its presentation and and I know on, on a message you had had sent saying that it, it felt very CBBC, which is a, a, a part of a children's channel on 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 BBC television, and it definitely does. And I think the animation lends itself to. It made me kind of think of Tracy Beaker, yes, and, and, and that style of things. And so yeah, it seems to be definitely focused at a a younger audience compared to maybe I don't know if you've ever seen Love Victor, which is another. It's on my to watch list. I haven't yet watched it, um, but compared to other, um, yeah, there are some other LGBT um, programs out there that are that tend to to be slightly heavier. Although mm. um, that um, there was that Christmas one. I can't remember the name of it now. I'll think of it um, as we discuss it. But there was a Christmas one that was um, a rom-com, an LGBT rom-com that was really good as well. I want to say Jingle All the Way, but that's obviously not what it is. Um, but it's, <laughs> it, it's a play. It's a play on that. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll have a think while we chat and, uh, and try and remember that. No, but yeah, they, they tend to be older. Um, and when I first um, sort of started coming out onto the LGBT scene. Um, people were quite surprised at how little knowledge of LGBT films I had um, because they tend to be hidden away and actually there are quite a lot of them out there. So um, 
yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a helpful thing to, it's a helpful addition to the catalog of LGBT stuff, particularly to, to the end, to the younger end of uh, the viewing market, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Because, yeah, something, I've, I've watched the two series of Love, Love Victor as well, which are on Disney Plus, and it is, is 16 plus on on Disney Plus, and I think is PG-13 in the US, and is stronger in its content, definitely, in, in, in some of the issues that it, that it brings up. And, and there are obviously a number of serious issues that are brought up in this show as well, and it, and it references, obviously, the, the bullying that, that Charlie had, and obviously things were really quite horrible for him. We don't that's alluded to. We don't see any of that. And even towards the end of the series, when he is really struggling with and, and feeling that he is a burden to people, there's there's definite underlying of, of it, it never goes to suicidal thoughts, but but anyone who who knows anything around mental health, there are those kind of warning signs that are that are definitely there. So although it doesn't cover it explicitly, I think implicitly is, is dealing with with serious issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why it's a 12 rated, because towards the end, you do see that um, that upset and that sense of not wanting to be here anymore, um, quite strongly portrayed, actually. Um, and I think if there are any weaknesses in it, that that wasn't addressed as fully as it could have been. But given the target audience that we've just discussed, that's understandable. Mm -hmm. um, I've, 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 I've realised the name of that film. It's single all the way. Um, so that's why Jingle All The Way is in my head. <laughs> You're very close. But yes, if, somebody want, if somebody wanted to watch either of them and got the other one, I think they would be pretty surprised. If they wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger, then if they watched, if they watched Single All The Way, I think they would be disappointed and vice versa, I would imagine. <laughs> it depends what they're wanting to see. Yes. So I guess maybe delving in and, and, and talking maybe about some of the, the specifics of the show, I guess one of the things that I really liked was the the, the general acceptance of of Charlie and of Nick and of Nick. We obviously get Nick's dad is only in, in a few sequences, but is very much affirming as someone there who's who wants to support his his son. Do you mean Charlie's dad? Yes, sorry, I've I've written them wrong. Yes, so Charlie's Charlie's dad, uh, very supportive of it, and in the sequences that he he sees him in the car, yeah, cares very deeply for him, and then on on the flip side with Nick's mum, instantly just affirms him. There's no there's no question, there's no debate in it, and I think maybe that's what's different specifically from Love Victor, because Love Victor has that that parental judgment and brings in the, the religious aspect as well which I guess we'll get onto as well that that this series doesn't cover but I think for me just that very matter of fact yep we are fine with it and, and I think that also went the same with the acceptance of Elle at at the girls school as well there was nev never really any attack against her she was just accepted by the teachers although she was very quiet and and many of the other school pupils didn't engage with her a huge amount. There was no bullying that that came from that, and and that that was just something that I felt was really good as well. Yeah, it was quite refreshing, and and that's what I meant by the lack of over dramatization. It mm. felt like you 
there was permission for them to live their lives with 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 the normal um i don't really like the word normal but the normal adolescent things that are problematic for people like who do i love um who are my friends what what am i what am i struggling all those things that um that a heterosexual um non-lgbtq plus uh, adolescent would go through actually this story just explored that from an lgbt plus uh, q plus perspective which is um really refreshing so it didn't for, for me it didn't really delve really deeply into the issues and the underlying stuff that that forms these identities and um and leads us to question them um in much detail um when we're trying to explore that it does look at it from nick's perspective as he tries to work out his sexuality but that could be anybody exploring their identity as an adolescent trying to work out who they are um and and nick struggles as much with choosing his friends as with his sexuality i would argue in the show um and who his friends should be and, and for me that's um that sense of normalization of what it means to be an lgbtq plus teenager uh, can only be a positive thing hmm. i guess for you then with with how school is for 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 charlie and ultimately for nick do you see any parallels is, is there anything similar to your experience there or would you say that the show is is different in that regard um i, I definitely saw parallels um in terms of trying to work out how on is this me um and for me i suppose that happened that journey happened over a longer period of time um mm. and I suppose I was much more fearful of the possibility of being gay as I was growing up, um, although I had that fear from quite a young age, so that's an interesting thought. Um, but how how they, I suppose, the, the journey, that the arc of their journey was very similar. It's just my arc took place over a much longer period of time. Um, in terms of school, I think, I, I think even now, um, so looking at it, I think, it was portrayed probably five, five or uh, five or eight years ago. I would suggest that that school's like. I think it's much more accepting now than it was even then. Um, I would suggest I might be wrong, and there were there are always people who are horrible about something or other. But um, the young people that I meet nowadays generally wouldn't see LGBTQ plusness as an issue at all, and they would say that anybody who does have a problem with it with it. Um, they would have more of a problem with them than they would with someone who was LGBTQ+, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the young people that I meet anyway. So in that sense, I think it's already slightly outdated. Um, but I think that's a helpful thing for adults to then watch, for parents to then watch with their children as they go through this together, because it sort of gives a balance of the two eras. I don't know if that... Yeah. That makes that makes sense in my head. Two eras, so I think there's a betweenness about it that could be helpful for conversations to be started. Mm. Do you think it's it's more up to date in, in in terms of of the character of Elle and and her acceptance within within school? Yeah, yeah. I I, I was just say I was I would. I mean, this is on my own my own perception, so I might be wrong, but. Um, I would suggest that she probably would have, I think trans is probably the one area, I mean, we see it with the government at the moment um, and conversion therapy, 
Um, trans is the one area where we do still have um, problems as a society with acceptance. And um, if I, I think that overwhelming, um, the overwhelming nature of just how broad acceptance within the show is very deliberate because um, it doesn't open the door to allow any sense of bullying towards this. Whereas I think because people are, uh, understand that bullying um, someone who's LGBT um, is wrong, um, they can portray that more helpfully and then discuss that issue. Whereas I think um, it could be perceived as permission to bully a trans person if they showed that in the show. Um, mm. So I, I think that that's a step of, of saying that we need to be more accepting of trans people. I think that's why they've done it that way. Yeah, no, I hadn't even thought of really that until we started discussing just the, yeah, the difference of, of acceptance that Elle isn't bullied at all, whereas obviously clearly Charlie was and, and Nick by association ends up getting some of that as well. And so... I mean, having said, I mean, Elle says she was bullied in the, pre in the previous school at times. We don't see any of that at all in the show. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's probably a good thing, actually. Yeah, because it was obviously when it comes to the, the the sports day, both the boys, the boys' school and the girls' school come uh, together, and, and there is Elle is, is worried about coming back to the school that she used to attend, and 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 maybe some of the issues that, and and again, none of that's brought up. I think a character goes, she looks familiar, but 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 nothing else is 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 made of that. I don't think, from what I remember. Yeah, no, there's nothing really at all um, and, and again that's interesting in the light of the conversations that are happening around sport and trans uh, trans women at the moment and whether they should be mm -hmm. able to compete or not it doesn't touch on that issue um, and I and again I think that's probably a good thing because it, it's trying to normalize the sense of uh, it's not trying to address the controversies around these issues it's trying to normalize LGBTQ plusness uh, within adolescence and I think that's a helpful thing so obviously in the show, Charlie and his friends are very accepting and, and he's obviously in the past has come out uh, to all of them. The I guess the struggle is then we're seeing through Nick's eyes and, and his struggle about how and, and the worry about what some of his friends may think when he comes he chooses to come out as bisexual. And there's obviously an, an episode where he's looking at that and he's watching Pirates of the Caribbean and he's saying, well, I'm, I am attracted to Kira, Kira Knightley, but then I'm also attracted to Orlando Bloom. And him obviously struggling with that and, and, and the worry about what his friends might think. How did you feel that was handled in the show? You mean the friends aspect as well as the bisexuality? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, regarding the friends, I think that was handled um, well. I think there's a... I don't know whether I'll do a second series, but there, there is a story to explore um, with Harry, who's the sort of bully protagonist, mm. um, and to explore some of his story and what that looks like. Um, because um, when we were watching it, we made an assumption that he was probably somewhere in the LGBTQ plus community um, and denying it just because of his apparent um, hatred for it. So. Um, I would be interested in exploring that from a bisexuality point of view. I think that was um, so valuable. Um, bisexuality is 
often an aspect of LGBTQ plus that is overlooked or ignored or we assume because, uh, particularly in the Christian world, we assume because someone's bisexual, they would automatically choose someone of the opposite sex to go out with um, because um, so many of us have been brought up with um, what has been the traditional or has been the norm um, that we would just expect somebody to do that rather than allowing that bisexuality to express itself um, however it ends up expressing itself. Um, so I think choosing to address that issue um, with something that is talking about these issues so early on in someone's um, in, in someone's life, as, as we say, it's aimed at sort of teenage teenagers. Really, um, I think that's that's really valuable. Um, regarding his other friend, his other friends, um, as well as um, Harry, you've also got um, Imogen. That was her name, wasn't it? Who um, who wanted to go out with Nick and wanted to um, go on dates with him and, and he chose not to. And yeah, he sort of explained to her um, and she thanked him for being honest, although he didn't actually talk about sexuality. And then at the end of the show, um, you, you see her watching him with Charlie and she is, you can see her happiness for him and how happy she is that he's mm. found someone for him. Um, and I think realizing that when we have friendships there will be different reactions um to who we are as people whether or not that's to do with sexuality or identity or gender or or that could be to do with which football team we support or what tv shows we like or, or anything um but recognizing that our friends have different reactions to different aspects of ourselves um is quite a helpful thing and it does that um reasonably well i i, I felt anyway um without going into much depth um because there wasn't space to do that within the each half hour episode. Mm. Yeah, no, because I think there's there's four or five graphic novels. I think of of it, so I'm I'm not sure. I, I, I'd be interested to get a hold of them just to to have a look and see whether how how much of this if if this was one graphic novel that they've covered and and whether there's more because I know within on Rotten Tomatoes the the kind of peer reviewed site for film and TV show the show is at a hundred percent when it was rated by 17 critics. Wow. Which is, is fairly unheard of. Yeah. That's astonishing. Um, and I, I haven't looked at it recently since obviously ordinary people, as it were, the, the viewing public are, are reviewing it, but I know it, it has been incredibly successful across the board and, and reviewed very well. So I, I, I would imagine another series would would come as long as the the viewing figures, I guess, line up with with the reviews. And and, and the performances in it are so good. I mean, um, Kit Connor, who plays Nick, I think he was in Rocket Man, but he, he does a brilliant job of. I, I genuinely believe that he was going through the issues that uh, he was his character was going through in the show. Mm. Um, and then you've got Olivia Coleman who plays his mum who isn't in it that much but she's I mean she's always astonishing um and she just owns the screen when she's when she's on it and and she adds a depth of um I, you can see why he would be worried about what her reaction would be because she's not very she assumes that he's going to go out with a girl um halfway through the series um and so he's you can see him going well what is this going on um but then her reaction to when he does choose to come out to her um it's just so affirming and so full of love. Um, 
it's amazing and those, and those performances um, along with um, the person who plays Charlie um, Joe, Joe, Joe Locke yeah um, they're, they're just brilliant and, that, and I think that's why it's, it's held its own on Rotten Tomatoes and will hold its own and hopefully will return for a second series mm. yeah because I, th- I heard this and I haven't verified that I assume a number of the actors and actresses in there are are gay as well. Um, obviously, if they are, their character is, then they are, I think. But it's that's only from hearsay. I, I don't know if you know anything further about that. I only know that because on the uh, Netflix, it's on Netflix. The Netflix description of it, um, it says um, LGBT uh, actors. I think uh, teens play LGBT characters, mm. so I think they are all LGBT. Certainly, um, L's. The, the actor who plays Al is, is a trans um, trans woman. Um, yeah. Um, and Joe Locke. Um, actually, no, I can't confirm that. I didn't check that one myself. I think Joe is, because I, I saw one article on him where he was talking about his own experiences of, of coming out in, in highs, because I think he's doing his A-levels, I think, at the moment. Uh, so he's obviously young. I think Kit's 19, potentially, but... 18, I think. 18, but Joe's always, I think, a year or so younger and, and, and going through his A-levels. And we've obviously got Stephen Fry as well, just as the voice of the headmaster. Yeah, why, performance... did, why didn't we see him? <laughs> it's so <laughs> random. Obviously, they couldn't obviously get him there. Uh, uh, he he yeah. podcast on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> his was a little more cliche, I thought, as the... The head ma- that was the only thing that I thought mm, when he was slagging off rugby and not understanding it. I thought, well, I don't know if you would necessarily do that as a headmaster. No, I, it was I very, that... it was Stephen Fry, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and yeah, he was slagging off rugby. I think, he, and it was, it was mildly funny. Um, but it just seemed odd not to be able to see him. He was, yeah, he was on the megaphone and uh, almost like a godly voice from the sky booming across the sports field, which you do have on sports days, but you can normally at least see the head teacher or the teacher mm. that's got the megaphone. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, well, that was, a, that was a strange one, but I didn't mind it. I sort of didn't really notice it because um, the sports day was sort of over, overtaken by the events following or, or during mm. the rugby match. Yeah, because I think he's. I think he was in the first episode just welcoming everyone back and he talks about a, a teacher that he doesn't particularly like that's really angry, I think, and then appears then at the end of the obviously in the final episode on the sports day, so he's not in it. I think he's only in it those two episodes in terms of his voice. I want to believe in romance. So, so I guess I, I said earlier that Love Victor, which is another series uh, focusing on on a gay teen, and that's much more about him wrestling with his own sexuality and, and, and slowly coming to terms with it that brings in the the, the faith aspect because the, the, the family are are catholics in that and so the struggle against the 
the conservative viewpoint, but then where where Victor is and, and where his parents are. And there obviously was nothing of that in this series. Whether there will be going forward, I don't know. But what, what did you make of that? I guess the 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 absence of any faith character or or anything to, to come up against maybe the, the affirming view. I don't know. Yeah, um I think it's I, I think it's a shame and it's a missed opportunity. Um it, it it depends what the purpose of of the show is, and for me, the purpose of the show is to raise awareness and to um, bring to a, a, a sense of normality being LGBTQ plus among adolescents. And um, they've missed a trick with not including faith within that somewhere, because lots of um, lots of young people do um, have a sense of faith, whether that's in the Christian God or other gods, or just in spirituality in some way, shape, or form. Um, so to to sort of not address that at all is is a bit of a shame, um, and it does. I suppose, as I said earlier, it didn't get into the nitty gritty of some of the journeys that people have been on. Like you said, that we heard a bit about the past for Charlie, and we heard uh, a bit about Al's past. Um, in being trans but we didn't get into any depth or nuance with that so whilst um whilst the show is really positive and optimistic um it doesn't really have um light and shade in the same way as um other things might do and it doesn't it doesn't allow you to play with my belief system was or is one thing and this truth that I have discovered is another thing. Where do the two meet and how do they meet and should they meet? And how do I deal with that process in my own mind? Um, so in terms of with a, if you're looking at this with a youth group, uh, I would want to, to say to uh, and ask young people, where do you think God is within these relationships? Where do you, what, what are the questions that you would be asking about about this and what do you what do you think they are praying for so um for example what is what is charlie praying for um what is nick praying for what are their parents praying for and um, what are their teachers praying for what what are their hopes and where do they come from um and i i would want to to think about that with a group because when when you're talking about these topics with groups which i think it's really important that you do whatever your um tradition um you need to assume that at least one person in your group that is an lgbtq plus person um without you knowing even if you've got a group um full of lgbtq plus people and there's only two or three who who would not identify as that assume that at least one of them is without you knowing because that changes how you engage with this conversation and changes how you um, address people and how you talk about people who might not be in the room but if they were in the room, you might talk about them differently. So um, ensuring that you've got that mindset as you have these conversations with your group um, would be a really helpful starting point. And whether you use this as a resource or whether young people come in and say, hey, have you seen that heart stuff? I think um, I think having that, that in your mind um, would be helpful. Mm. Yeah, because I was going to get on and ask you how you how you feel that this could be, be used. I, th I think from a from pastorally, I think it's it's a really good uh, show to use for that, regardless of 
of the position you might be coming from, whether you are more affirming or uh, lean to what's described as that more traditional orthodox uh, view. I think regardless of that, at the end of the day, people are people and, 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 and how you support them. And, and I think this show shows something of the way that they that, that people can be supported and, and the issues that they're going through. Charlie obviously has the the art teacher that that you can go to. And, and again, we don't see much of that relationship, but they're clearly from before the series starts and where Charlie seemed to have been going to the art department every lunchtime, every break when when he was being bullied. It was they were clearly showing a, a safe space within the school and an adult role model for him that, that would be there to to listen and support. And I think that was just a just another really good thing to show pastorally supporting someone and, and creating safe spaces where they can they can be themselves. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really helpful and seeing seeing that role model um, embodied is good. Uh, again, what it doesn't do, it doesn't go into much depth with that. So if you, I, I, I would say, if you're trying to wrestle with these issues and think through these issues as a, what do I think about this theologically? I would say this show is not going to be helpful for, for mm. that. But if you're thinking, what does this look like for the teenagers and, uh, and young people that I, I serve and work alongside, then then this tells a story in, in quite a helpful way without being too intense, without being, as I say, too overdramatic. But it, 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 it carries a sense of this is, is what, it's, what it's like for young people. So seeing that is good. But if you're wanting to wrestle with the issues, I would, I would look at some of the episodes from Queer Eye, for example, um, to, to, to think how does this look um, for adults in, in more conservative settings or who've grown up in more conservative settings and what does this, what does this mean then for me as I think through this because in those, uh, I, I can't remember which, exactly which episodes, I want to say episode two of series, episode one of series two maybe, um, anyway they, they talk about this stuff and they do talk about it from a faith perspective as well and that's um, I think that's a, that's a different thing to what this show provides, which is a helpful story to engage with that tells you about uh, the experiences of young people. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's a really helpful distinction you've made between between what this show can do and, and, and I guess what it's set up to do. For those that maybe don't know what Queer Eye is, could you could you say a little bit about what, about what that show is? Queer Eye... Um, is an amazing show on Netflix, and it's five gay guys, um, one from the UK, four from uh, different places in the US, um, who help people to turn their lives around. I describe it as a bit like if you ever watched the show Changing Rooms when uh, that was back in the 90s and then 2000s, or Ground Force where they changed someone's garden. It's a bit like that, but for their whole life. So they uh, they help them with their clothing, they help them with their um, appearance. Uh, in terms of grooming and how to look after themselves they help them with their mindset and they call it culture but how they how they behave they help them with food and they also do something to their house or to their workplace to help their space be a more welcoming um, place or, or or safer place to be and uh, they do that a just to help people who, who need the help but also to raise awareness and they often do it in areas where um where gay people are not accepted or celebrated 
So um, they change perceptions through doing that. Uh, and, and that's an amazing show. It's about 45 minutes an episode usually, and it's well worth a watch. You've got, I think, six seasons now to go through. So go and enjoy those. Great. Thanks, Johnny. So, so I guess maybe for a, for a youth worker then who has maybe landed in, in an affirming position or is moving towards that, within your role, if a youth worker who was feeling that came to you and said, how, how can I support? What resources, what things could I do to, to help my youth groups engage with this? Do, would you have any ideas for that or places to point people towards? Yeah, I would um, I would start with, I mean, it depends how far along that journey you are, um, but I would start with doing some reading and, and thinking about yourself. The Living and Love and Faith um, resources from the Church of England, uh, of which I am a part, um, are, are really quite helpful. And they do have a young people's um, way of doing the course, although most of the material is exactly the same. But that, that offers quite a balanced perspective and that might be helpful um, to do with your group if if your group um, is entirely one side or the other. It's quite helpful to hear, hear a different perspective. Um, another great resource that I would really recommend um, made by or created by Catherine Alice Gresham, who um, has been an advisor for Leeds Diocese, but has just finished doing that to set up a charity um, doing uh, performing arts stuff with young people. Um, that's called Discuss LGBTQ+. And if you go to discusslgbtq.com, uh, you'll find a whole host of resources uh, that you can use with your youth group to um, think about these topics and to, to work out what they think about them and also to journey uh, alongside young people. I think um, it's really important to remember whether or not you're on that affirming journey or whether you're sticking by a traditional view, whatever your point of view, work out before it happens how you would respond to someone coming out to you um, mm. and have a process in place so the first thing you want to do is is thank them um, affirm that you care for them affirm that god loves them um, and then take the time to listen to their story um, it's really important i remember i told someone once who i was really really nervous about turning a church leader um, and normally in previous conversations I'd had with similar people the conversation lasted at least an hour as I sort of explained my thinking and feelings and within 20 minutes I'd sort of come to the end of the conversation and I felt like a, a bit bereft that I hadn't been asked for the thinking that lay behind my choices or the um or the story that came with it and so allowing people to share their stories is is really really mm -hmm. crucial you don't have to uh, affirm their position when you're listening you can just listen and say that's really interesting thank you and just clarify um, but personally I would obviously choose to affirm and to celebrate every single person thanks Johnny I think that's that's really helpful helpful and again putting that back to being pen, person centered as, as as youth work should be it should be about that that young person and yeah absolutely thanking them for the risk that I guess they have taken to 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 maybe reveal that to you, and, and obviously there must be a level of respect there. You hope the fact that they're even choosing to come and tell you. So what an I guess what an honour that is 
uh, for somebody. I guess I would want to backtrack my, my comment because I said for any youth worker that would be coming from an affirming stance. And actually, whether you are affirming or not, I think engaging with people who maybe hold a different view to you is is so important. Anyway, yeah. I was I was mentioning obviously, obviously to yourself uh, before we started recording that I was listening to the the Limitless Leadership podcast with 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 Tim Alford, and although I I, I disagree with with the, his conclusion and where the their discussion goes in the podcast, I disagree with the the conclusions that they come to. For me, it's still really important to hear that side so that because I I can then be in danger of just stereotyping their answers or the types of people that they are or the views that they hold. And and I found it really helpful. And those two podcasts, they do a podcast on sexuality and a podcast on, on gender. And again, I disagree with, with both of their outcomes. But the conversations are about an hour each and they're really helpful. For me, anyway, were really helpful. And, and I realise maybe not everyone would be able to listen to them without different emotions going on within that and 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 I completely respect anyone who who feels they couldn't listen to that but but for me that was that was really helpful and something I continue to do I, I guess in all areas of of theology and youth work is I try to listen and read those who I disagree with and and I would encourage anyone who's listening to this and who comes more from the traditional what we'd call conservative side that they would be open to looking at the resources you're you're engaged. Uh, we're, we're mentioning Johnny, but also in this TV show as well. Yeah, I, and those living in love and faith resources that I talked about as well. They they are really really helpful, um, and they do genuinely give both perspectives in a positive light. and And I think that's a great thing. And if you want to engage with those, um, you've got. A few days left, depending on how fast you edit it this edit this Stephen until the thirtieth of April um, to give feedback on that as well, which you can do if you want to. But the resources will be available um, long into the future, so you can um, engage with those. And there's story films on there to hear people's stories from all different perspectives and all different walks of life around sexuality, identity, relationships, and marriage. So that's that's well worth looking at. And I'd just like to um, reiterate the point that you made. Uh, earlier to not underestimate how terrifying it is to come out to someone um, it it is always really scary and it never really ends and even for me to say it on a podcast that I don't know who's going to listen to it it feels mm. quite daunting to me um and I I've told and most of the people in my life well all of them as far as I know so um never underestimate that and always value anybody who tells you um, something because they have gone through a lot of thinking to get to that place and a lot of wrestling within themselves and they are trusting you with something really, really precious. So please treat it as such. Thanks, Johnny. And and I do appreciate you coming on and talking about this. That I, I guess for me, there was no expectation that you would share that, yeah, who you are as a, as, as a person, but, but no, I, I appreciate that and yeah, I, I, well, it would invalidate my opinions otherwise to an extent. <laughs> when, uh, like, well, you, you, I was listening to your turning red one um, yesterday, and it would have been really strange to have a man on when you're talking yes. about periods. So, <laughs> likewise, it would be really strange to have two straight men talking about an LGBTQ plus film. Uh, it's too serious. <laughs> yeah, 
no, no, that's fair. It, before we then wrap things up, Johnny, is there anything else that you would want to say about the show that we haven't said or or anything else within within young people and, 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 and youth work and that side of things? I, th- I think just to say the issues that it addresses um, are broad. We have touched on pretty much all of them, but I, and the titles of each episode are quite helpful as well. Um, meeting, crush, kiss, secret, friend, girls, bully, boyfriend. So they're almost, I mean, you, could, you would play with those a little bit, but there almost seems that you could go through a whole um, term of a youth group with um, and discuss some of the things around relationships, around those issues. Um, and then I think friendship was really, really important. And one of the one of um, Charlie's friends in the show, Tao, feels completely um, ostracised as his, mm. one of his best friends seems to be spending so much time with someone else. And he's not quite sure why, because he doesn't trust Nick's intentions. Um, and that relationship and how that plays out, I think is, is quite telling and will be quite telling for a lot of young people. Um, and then the issues around independence and what it means to uh, choose to be who you are and choose where you go, which is obviously an adolescent thing. And then consent and confidentiality. Um, consent because Ben forces himself on um, mm. Charlie. And that, that's uh, that's quite hard to watch, um, although it's done in a, in a fairly not too intense way, but it's still hard to watch. And then confidentiality uh, relating to that coming out conversation we had a minute ago. It's really important. Um, Nick says that he doesn't want to tell anybody about um, the relationship when it first starts uh, as he's journeying with how to come out and and who he is. And when young people do um, tell us about their uh, identity, if they do, um, it's not for us to go and uh, tell their parents or to tell anybody else. The only reason that we would do that is if there was a serious safeguard and concern, i.e. they're at risk of harm or they are at risk of harming others. And um, otherwise, there's no reason to tell anybody um, unless you discuss it with them or unless they have asked you to do so. So um, and, and that is dealt with quite well, I think, within the series. All of the all of the friends respect that um, and hold to that. And I think that's um, something to be admired and appreciated, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and yeah, you obviously highlighted the fact that we didn't really talk about Tao as, as, as one of the friends and the relationship that he has with with Elle, that friendship that could potentially be more than a friendship and whether that, if they make a second series, whether that's... Because th- there's clearly an attraction from both of them. And and that, again, would be an interesting yeah. uh, direction to go to focus on those uh, two characters and, and how that relationship might be worked out. Yeah, I would love to see that. Um, and I would love... I would love to say that I, I don't think the the issues that we would the, the questions that we would have in our head would be addressed by the show, um, but to see their story played out on the screen uh, would be really rewarding, and also allow those questions in our own minds to be asked, and then we can go and explore them elsewhere. So um, I would love to see that happen in a mm. second series. As, as well, just the other character of of Isaac, who's the other one in the friendship group. Again, we haven't mentioned him, and he's. He's a very introverted character. We don't hear a lot, but I do remember he's always he's often got a book that he's reading, and I noticed obviously a couple of those were around LGBTQ issues and affirming. So he's clearly somebody who, I guess, is wanting to 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 understand and and potentially to be more supportive 
and, and, and so I think even as a silent character, you see somebody who's wanting to learn and, and, and develop and understand where his friends are ultimately coming from, which I think is just a, a really great point that, again, is not overemphasised or overegged. Yeah, and also he's very perceptive. So he's actually the first one who re realises that relationship is happening and, and doesn't say anything. But as you say, he's supportive just by the very books that he chooses to read um, mm. and, and how he carries himself around and about and how he's so um, gentle with with his friends um, mm. and sort of sees the best in, in all of them, whatever the circumstance, um, whilst just being there. Mm. So, I, yeah, his his friendship and I suppose the the symbol of an, an informed ally who stands with you um, is quite powerful as well and I suppose the three words that I would use to sum up the show um, I, I've written, written down as, as gentle much like Isaac's character innocent um, in that it's quite children friendly and hopeful for what the world could be like um, and I think those three things are quite like Jesus as well. So um, it's worth thinking about what does this tell us of the character of Jesus? Um, mm -hmm. What can we learn from these people um, and how they treat one another uh, and how Jesus would treat them as well? Great. Thank you, Johnny. And I think that's a really good place to, to end our discussion on. If people wanted to engage more uh, with you and... And, and for anyone, obviously, within the Diocese of Chester that, that's wanting to engage with anything, what would be the, the best ways that people could get in touch with you? The best way, if you are well, if you want to email me um, from the Diocese of Chester, although I'm happy to talk to anybody from anywhere, um, Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, uh, dot masters, as I'm up north, M-A-S-T-E-R-S, at chester.anglican.org is my email address. Um, I'm on Twitter. Johnny Masters underscore and Instagram, um, the same, the same thing. And I also um, write on Medium. If you type in Johnny Masters, J O N N Y, uh, M A S T E R S, Medium onto any search engine, um, you'll see some of my writing around this, um, particularly around being gay and Christian, um, and what that means and how I work that out for myself. So if you're wanting to explore that, you'd be very welcome to to read that stuff and to engage with me on any social media platform. Great. Well, thank you again for your time, Johnny, um, and wish you best for the rest of the day. So thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Johnny for joining me to discuss the Netflix series Heartstoppers. So what did you think of our conversation? Did you agree or disagree with our thoughts on the series? Are there things that you wish we would have said that we didn't get around to? I'd love to hear your thoughts which you can do either on Twitter or on Facebook. Just search for at RealFaithPod. If you've enjoyed this episode as well, I would love it if you would give us a subscribe and a rating and a review, as that allows others to see what we're doing. And please do, if you know any other children's workers, family workers or youth workers who you think would be interested in the podcast or who would also like to come on to the podcast, then, then please do share that with them. But thanks again for listening and look out for another episode coming soon.